Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Gospel this week's a little much. And... um we're so politically correct in our culture now that anything that's extreme is automatically labeled and condemned and never is it asked, is it true? Because that'd be the most important thing to find out. It's only bad, wrong, and destructive if it's a lie. But if it's real and true, thanks be to God that we get to hear it because otherwise this is a little much. The very beginning, you know, we hear this idea, great crowds were traveling with Jesus. And this is like every university professor and other people, maybe family members. A lot of people are interested in Jesus. They think he's fascinating. Look at the Jesus movement. Watch any History Channel show sometime throughout the week. They have something on, quote-unquote, Jesus. The real Jesus, the man behind the myth Jesus, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. People are fascinated by Jesus. They want to know what did he say, what did he mean. They're really, really interested. And it's the difference between being a fan and a follower. These great crowds, they were loving what Jesus would do. They heard he even healed people. He was giving these intriguing teachings. They heard he... He even stood up to the Pharisees. That's kind of odd. No one did that in that day. And so they're, they're kind of leaning in. They're interested. And Jesus knows this. And he's like, they're not really calculating what it's going to cost to actually get to know the greatest joys and most intimate love they could even imagine. They're not even going to realize that to get to that depth to realize that Jesus doesn't want to just be someone we follow, but he wants to live in you and in me in such a way that all the power and love of the Trinity is flowing out of us. That like you as a creature and me as a creature get to be partakers of God, which it teaches in the scriptures. He's like, they don't realize what that's going to cost. They're fascinated. And so he turns and says, To that group of people, if anyone comes to me to receive transforming power, intimate, satisfying love, to finally be noticed, to be set free from the condemning thoughts and the futility of our attempts, to actually live with real hope that doesn't disappoint, if anyone comes to me for those things, Jesus says, without hating father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And see, what this raises for us is, who is Jesus? Because this is the meanest, most demanding, ludicrous thing any religious teacher or leader could ever say or ask. Like, could you imagine like a Deepak Chopra or maybe even like a Dr. Phil or an Oprah like saying, like, listen, unless you hate everyone that you've ever loved and you give up everything and you even don't even care about your own self, I won't be able to give you my nice little teachings. Be, they're nuts. That's too much. 
You don't fit in our box of socially acceptable norms. This only makes sense if Jesus is God. If he's the infinite one. If he is the creator of all that is, entering the world to rescue us from meaninglessness, despair, fear, loneliness, and sin, so that we can have a life of passion, joy, meaning, and hope here, and then be with him in the inexpressible glory of heaven. And so Jesus doesn't mean psychologically hating these close relationships as if we're doing something mean to them and rejecting them. What he means is to the degree that our hearts look for fulfillment in these relationships rather than in Jesus, we got to get rid of them. To the degree that some people, I meet people even in their 70s and 80s, their parents have been dead for decades. They're still pleasing mom or dad in their mind. They're still trying to get their validation. Am I enough? Am I good? Did I do it right? See, when we take our humanity to other people to find fulfillment, it's a train wreck. We either crush them or we feel people doing it to us and we get resentful at them or ourselves for not being enough. So Jesus is not trying to condemn us and saying, I never liked family anyways. God's the author of family. But he knows that we have a tendency to crush each other when we think that if that person acted perfectly, then I could be happy. Or if they just spoke to me the right way, then everything would be right. Now, all the caveats here, abuse and immorality, those things should be addressed. But the reality is, we're all very little. We're all broken. I say it at every wedding homily, and people get a little nervous, but then I explain it, but I say, you know, John, look at Susie. Susie, look at John. You will never satisfy each other. And I say, the quicker you come to accept that and realize that's not a problem, but the beginning of a healthy marriage, you go, is the quicker you can have a really beautiful life. The same thing's true from parents to child. I should say it at baptisms, probably. I should say, this cute, cuddly kid that you love so much and is a great joy to you, they will never fulfill you either. And I could say to every teen in our youth group, to parents, you know how your parents bathed you and gave you clothing and food and tried to give you good teaching and tried their best to be good examples? Yeah, they go to the confessional just like you do. They're not going to be able to fulfill you either. And then Jesus goes one step further. You have to hate your own life. What does that mean? Isn't life all about just finding as much happiness as you can? And that's a good life? Jesus, nope. To the degree that you're seeking your own comforts, your own popularity, your own vain efforts, rather than Jesus, he's like, that's not going to end well. You're going to be lonely. You're going to be selfish. You're going to push people away. You're never going to know the joy and freedom of sacrificial love. And so Jesus looks out at all of us. He's saying, all right, you want the litmus test? Want to know how you're doing? Where are you going to feel loved? Where are you going for meaning and purpose? And let me just add to close here an interesting statistic. It's the, I think the third or fourth year in a row in America 
deaths of despair have gone up rather than down. Deaths of despair are things like death of addictions, suicide, etc. People are not finding meaning, hope, and joy in all the places our world tells us to look for it because we hear this passage and we think, he's nuts. I'll have my own version of Christianity, thank you very much. I'm not a murderer after all, I'm fine. And Jesus is like, I, don't, I didn't come into this world so people could be fine. In John chapter 10, verse 10, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Do we hear the desire behind Jesus' offer? He wants you to be fully alive. And that's why he says, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you my joy in you. I will give you life to the full. But it's not without cost. It's not without sacrifice. Just like anything else in the world. There is a cost. And the cost is to the degree that the relationships in our life, even the most quote-unquote important ones, get in the way of that intimacy. They have to be hated, meaning rejected, shunned, kicked off. And then you will find peace. You will find joy. You will be oriented. If this feels intense and it feels like a lot, talk to God about it. Because it's not Father Ryan. It's right here in the gospel this week. And we want the real Jesus, not our own version. Because one day, we're going to see him face to face. And it's going to be beautiful. And he wants us to really know who he is now. So that with eager hope, we'd move forward to that day. Amen.